Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Let's, uh, let's get into the Word this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles and would like to follow along with me, I'm going to be reading in John chapter 2, verse 1 to begin with. I'm going to read two passages. Uh, John chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, I'm also going to read in Matthew 9, if you want to uh, go ahead and find both of those. John chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. So could we, would you just stand with me for the reading of the word this morning? I um, want you to give very special honor to the word of God, and I know you do, but let's just stand. John chapter 2, verse 1 from the New King James. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? You know, I find interesting things in the Bible. I, I find funny things in the Bible. My, my mind just works that way. But I read this, and I'm thinking to myself, I cannot imagine me as a young man and my mama say something to me and I say, woman? Can you imagine that? I mean, I don't, maybe y'all was raised different than me. I can't imagine what would happen. My, first of all, I'd, I'd have to run for my life from my daddy. And then when he caught me, mama would deal with me. <laughs> Interesting. Woman? What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine, until now. Now let me jump over please to Matthew chapter 9. Read verses 16 and 17. Matthew 9, 16. No one puts, of puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Bow your heads with me. Now, Father, we thank you today. We are so grateful for your presence with us. We know you're here because your word 
tells us that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you'll be in the midst. So, Lord, we thank you for gracing us today with your presence. And now, Lord, we thank you for the next few moments as we dive into your word. We pray, Father, that you will allow it to illuminate some area of our life that's now in darkness. That you will give us some direction now where there's confusion. That you will give us, even as a church corporately, that you would give us new marching orders and cause us to go into this city and into this region of Florida with greater power and even authority. And we give you the praise. Now, Lord, anoint me to communicate this truth and anoint every person under the sound of my voice to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And for that, Lord, we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Before you sit down, look at somebody and tell them, you sure look good this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to speak prophetically to you today, and I'm really feeling the weightiness of of this message I, I i really believe that it's this may be one of the more important it is one of the more important messages that i've ever delivered um, the challenges for the church in this generation are vastly different than those of previous generations uh, i'm third generation pentecostal preacher i grew up cutting my teeth on the back of church pews this is all i've ever known and i uh, can tell you and I, I can because of that speak with some authority about the church because I'm not a Johnny come lately and what I want you to understand is what I've noticed over the years that is that the, the the challenges that the church is facing today are different than they were when my dad and my grandfather were pastoring churches it's a difficult time. At present, we are witnessing declining attendance, declining morals, a declining reputation. And I think that because of that, we need to take a, just a quick brief look before I really get into the meat of this sermon. I want to take a quick look into uh, the, the, the present culture that we're trying to reach and that we're trying to minister to. The Barna Research Group has done a series of studies to follow the changes in the biblical worldview of Christians over the last 10 or 15 years. So they want to know what's the biblical worldview of the average Christian. Now, for the purpose of their survey, this is what a biblical worldview is. It was defined as believing that absolute moral truth exists, the Bible is totally accurate in all of the principles it teaches. Satan is considered to be a real being or force, not merely symbolic. A person cannot earn their way into heaven by trying to be good or do good works. Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth and God is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the world who still rules the universe today. Now, I don't know about you, I, I personally believe in that worldview. Everything that I just read is what I've anchored my life on. In the research, anyone who held all of those beliefs was said to have a biblical 
worldview. And here's some of the things that they found. Of those people professing to be born-again Christians, the study discovered that they were twice as likely as the average adult to possess a biblical worldview. However, that meant that even among born-again Christians, less than one out of every five, 20%, had such an outlook on life. 20% of confessing born-again Christians held to that worldview. One-third of all adults, 34%, believe that moral truth is absolute and unaffected by the circumstances. Slightly less than half of born-again Christians, 46% of born-again Christians believe in absolute moral truth. That's staggering. Just one quarter of adults, 27%, are convinced that Satan is a real force. And even a minority of born-again adults, 40%, adopt that perspective. A minority of Americans, 40%, are persuaded that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life when he was on earth. But like, watch this, slightly less than two-thirds of the born-again segment, 62% of confessing Christians strongly believe that he lived a sinless life. But let me show you the incredible paradox to this. According to their survey, seven out of ten adults, 70% say, this is not Christians, this is Nationwide, 70% of people in this country say that God is the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe who still rules it today. And 93% of born-again Christians believe that. So 70%, 7 out of 10 people that you will meet tomorrow on the street believe that God is an all-knowing creator that still rules the world. They did another survey that shows that 70% of unchurched people said that they would attend church on Sunday morning if invited by a dear friend, a close friend, who would accompany them to church. 70%. And that study, by the way, has been done by several other organizations, and the numbers always 65 to 75% of people say, and no matter what study you read, people will come to church if invited by a close friend who will bring them. You know what that tells me? That tells me we're not inviting a lot of people to church. More importantly, it, it concerns me not so much that we're not inviting them to church as much as there are Christians sitting on church pews that don't have a biblical worldview and are not then not necessarily feeling the weight of evangelism to share Jesus Christ with people. 
How many of you understand we're living in a difficult age? We're living in a difficult culture. This is a difficult time. It's a crazy world. It's a mixed up, messed up, crazy world. And right in the middle of all this mixed up craziness that's going on, the most powerful entity on this planet called the church of Jesus Christ is still alive and still well. Hallelujah. But the church of Jesus Christ is slumbering away. Uh, she's a sleeping giant. But can I tell you that I am sensing something in the spirit and I'm seeing something as I observe what God is up to, that that sleeping giant is beginning to move a little bit and she's beginning to wake up and she's about ready to stand back up and assume her rightful place as the voice of hope and the voice of reason in the middle of this mixed up world. The church of Jesus Christ is still bringing the answer. Jesus is still the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other hallelujah I was joking about preaching the three o'clock while ago but I'm serious now <laughs> hallelujah are y'all hearing me today let me now tell you why the, I read those scriptures that I just read let me show you how all of this relates to what I want to communicate to you today in John chapter 2, when Jesus made those statements about the wineskins, can't put new wine into old wineskins, he was responding to a question that someone had asked him pertaining to law, ritual, ceremony. Jesus' reply to them indicates that there is something new that's shifting. There's something new that's coming. I'm not going to use old wineskins. We're not going to move in old wineskins. We're not going to move in old methods. The old way of doing things is about to shift because you can't put new into old. Old can't house the new. Oh, hallelujah. Old can't handle what I'm about to do. Everything you've known in the past is about to crumble because I'm about to inject some grace and life into the equation. Up to this point, it's all been about law. It's been about commandments and you had to live up to the commandments and you never were able to do it. But Jesus says, I'm about to inject some grace and life and spirit into the equation. And now I'm going to write my law on your heart. And now you're not gonna and now you're gonna obey the law, not because you have to, but because you get to. Hallelujah. Oh, I gotta hurry. Listen, y'all. The church world. The church, listen, y'all. The church has been written off in my life in my lifetime by the world. And we are still the most powerful thing on this planet. But the world has lost confidence in us. There's, our, our, our dirty laundry has been hung out for everybody to see. Even again this week, you may have seen the, the problems the Southern Baptist Convention are going through with some of their top level leadership being accused of covering up sin in their pastors. All kinds of junk and stuff going on in the world. 
And the church of Jesus Christ is sitting behind her stained glass windows and her steeples singing songs about God and talking about God but never displaying any God to anybody. Hallelujah. I love the church. I can talk about the church, y'all. I told y'all, I've been in this all my life. I've been preaching 50 years. I can talk about the church with some level of confidence. I love the church. Don't get me wrong. When I, when I get on the church, I love the church. I love going to church. I love being in church. I love the church. But because of that, I can talk about us. What I'm going to communicate today is a whole new shift in our understanding. Are you ready? I want to speak prophetically today. Let me show you. Jesus, his mother, and his disciples are at a wedding feast in Matthew, in our passage in Matthew. They're at a wedding feast. Now, I'm of the opinion that we never understood the prophetic significance of this event. Let me touch on a couple of the prophetic threads that run through this event. First, I'm just going to lay this one out there. I'm not going to preach on it. It's the second one I'm going to talk about. But the first prophetic principle that runs through this event, I find it interesting that Jesus began his earthly ministry at a wedding because he is also going to end his earthly ministry at a wedding. find that interesting. Because at the first wedding, he revealed who he was. At the last wedding, he reveals who we are. The second prophetic point, I'm leaving that one with you. You can chew on that later. But here's what I want to deal with. The second prophetic point, and the one I want to spend some time on, is revealed in the water pots. When Jesus said to fill the water pots, he was sending a loud and clear message about his intentions in the wrap-up of his ministry. Why the water pots? Look at it again, verse 6. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews. Notice that phrase, according to the manner of purification of the Jews. Other translations use the term ceremonial washing. It was ceremony. It was ritual. It was religion. The pots were of stone and they were used to wash your feet and hands when you come into the house. It was law. It was religious. It was ceremony. When you walked into the house, you took your sandals off and you washed your feet and you washed your hands. So the water pots are of stone. They're full of dirty water where people have washed their hands and feet. And Jesus says, fill the water pots. Oh, stay with me, y'all. I'm going somewhere. Folks, that's what ceremony and ritual and religion has been about forever. It's only been about washing a little dirt off of you. But what Jesus came to do is totally transform you from the inside out. Religion has always about been about getting some stuff to just change a little bit on you. Just get you off so that you look a little better. And long as you walk the walk and talk the talk, then everybody thinks you all that and a bag of chips and an RC Cola and a moon pie. 
The problem is you're sitting in church and you got a little few things rubbed off of you and wiped off of you and cleaned off of you, but you mean as a junkyard dog. Just get into Walmart and somebody mess with you and you just go off on them. But then come back to church on Sunday morning to get a little more dirt washed off. When Jesus said, fill the water pots, he's shifting some things. Watch this. Now get it. When they were out of wine, Jesus says, fill the water pots. Wait a minute. If they've been drinking wine all this time, don't you know that there are empty wine skins all over that house? Why not tell them to go get up, collect all the wine skins and put some water in it and I'll turn it to wine? Because what I'm about to do is new. And you can't put new wine into old wineskins. I'm about to show you something that's going to shift everything. It's going to make everything turn around. It's going to make everything make sense. I'm shifting you from outward washing. I'm shifting you from that to drinking something. Hallelujah. Fill the water pots. Why not the, wa the, the empty wineskins? Because he's sending us a prophetic message. Here's what Jesus is trying to communicate. The party's been going a long time. There's empty wineskins all over the place. But some new wine is needed and Jesus chooses to remedy the situation with some stone pots. What's the prophetic significance? Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Church, hear me. There are empty wineskins all over the world with steeples and stained glass windows. But God says, I'm going to put some new wine into some water pots. I'm going to put some new wine into some old earthen vessels, some clay pots. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like a clay pot to me. Do you understand the significance of what he's trying to tell us at this event? In his very first miracle, he gives us a panoramic view of what the end of the thing is going to look like. He says at the end of the thing, I'm not going to put you through a bunch of ritual and ceremony and commandments and law. In the end of the thing, I'm going to take a bunch of old cracked, broken, messed up, dirty pot and I'm going to put my spirit on the inside of them. And then you're going to be able to say, I ain't got nothing I can put on you, but I sure got something I can give you to drink. Because out of my belly shall flow. 
rivers of living water hallelujah you can drink something you can live you don't have to meet a bunch of rules and regulations i don't go to church and keep the law because i have to i do it because i get to i don't serve jesus because i have to i do it because i get to now he lives big on the inside of me he's not out there you know we we get our theology sometimes from our songbooks and that's a dangerous thing to do sometimes and some of the courses now some of y'all i'll give you an example and some of y'all may not been around church long enough to remember but some of you will how many of y'all been around long enough like me to remember that old course that we used to sing years ago called reach out and touch the lord as he goes by raise your hand if you remember that yeah i got some of you now when i sang that as a kid i just cried i thought that's a wonderful song but as i got a little older i got thinking about that thing I thought, that's the stupidest song i've ever heard in my life <laughs> i mean get this here reach out and touch the lord as he goes by <laughs> Like somehow it's on me to chase him down. Do you understand that I ain't got to chase him down? He came looking for me. He walked into your miserable mess of a life and found you before you ever went looking for him. Hallelujah. See, that's the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion and law, that's man's attempt to somehow reach God. Christianity is God's attempt to reach man. He came after me. And he says, I'm going to put something in you. I ain't going to just put it on you. I'm going to put something in you. And we come to church wanting to feel a goosebump. I'll take them. I like them. Yeah, we get to praising and worshiping and I feel the presence of God. I feel a goosebump. But let me tell you something. I don't want to feel a goosebump and leave here and go back out the way I came. I want while I'm here to get him to take this old earthen vessel and put some new wine down on the inside of it so that when I go out of this place, I can open my heart to somebody and tell somebody that's in a mess, I got your help. I've got what you need. Jesus Christ is the answer. And I can tell you by experience, he'll pick you up, clean you off, dust you up, make you look good. How many of y'all think I look good this morning? Hey, y'all, hey, y'all want to know what blessing looks like? Look here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of y'all thought it looked a whole lot better than that, I know, but I'm just telling you, I'm blessed. I am blessed, man, because he lives big on the inside of me. Listen, our ceremony and our religion was good at washing dirt off. But God's saying, quit trying to wash them and give them something to drink. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Listen, people of God, the gospel was never designed to be spread in church. It was designed to be served up. We want people to come to our church and feel something. In John 4, when the Samaritan woman came to the well, Jesus talked to her about drinking, not feeling. Listen, the world had never tasted anything. That's why he said, oh, taste and see. 
Notice something else. Watch this. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. Can I tell you what he didn't say? He never said, empty them out, wash them out, clean them up, and then put water in them. All he said was, fill the water pots. <laughs> wow. Now, I don't know how y'all grew up, but I grew up very mainline, classical, Pentecostal. If it was fun, it was wrong. If it made you grin, it was sin. We couldn't even drink Cokes when I was a little boy growing up in church. Because they were wrong, sin to drink a Coke. I never understood that. The only explanation I ever got one time I heard, I heard one preacher say, well, them Coke bottles, even, they're, they're so evil, even bottles are even shaped in the shape of a woman's body. I looked around that church, I said, I said, no, this is a two-liter church here. I'm sorry, y'all. You got <laughs> No. <laughs> I should not have said that. I'm sorry. We got this stuff so messed up. It was all wrong. Everything, it was all ritual and it was all sin. It was all bad. It was all evil. Everything was wrong. And in the middle of it all, Jesus is standing there saying, you're just a clay pot that I want to fill up with my spirit. I want to put my, y'all understand that wine in the Bible is always a reference to the Holy Spirit. Wine is, it, it is a typical expression in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit. I want to put some new wine in some old dirty earthen clay pots. And he showed us this in the very first miracle he ever did. The water pots, they're not pretty. They're not elaborate vessels. They don't look like anything that would ever hold anything good to drink. In fact, the master of the feast, the Bible said, didn't even know that where the wine was dipped from. You could never have convinced him that this could come from that. No way. No. He, in fact, he said, you saved the best for last. This wine. Wow, where did you get this? From old dirty water pot over there. You could never have convinced him that that could come from that. That's what they're going to be saying about you. I can't believe that that came from you. Why? Because it ain't about me. I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm just a clay pot. But I got something on the inside of me that'll give you life. This is what gives me confidence about the future, y'all. When the people of this world who have given up on our old wine skins run into one water pot who can give them something to drink, their life's going to be changed. Listen, you're a water pot, an earthen vessel, and the contents did not originate from the pot. The pot don't produce anything. It only houses what's been deposited. Don't act like you all that. 
Some people act like, they, I've heard them testify. They act like they did God a favor when they got saved. It's like, come on, man. I had a man tell me one time, Bishop, if the Lord hadn't saved me, I'd be in Nashville by now. I said, what? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I was on the way. My career was soaring. The Lord hadn't, I said, man, if, if the Lord hadn't saved you, you'd either be in hell or on your way to hell. That's where you would be, on your way to Nashville. Yeah, but I did God a favor. I gave my life to him. Now I'm going to walk. Listen, y'all, you didn't do God a favor when you got saved. He did you a favor when he hunted you down and found you and picked you up and poured something out on the inside of you that changed the way you think and the way you talk and the way you live. Hallelujah. How in the world could that come from that? All nations, they ought to be saying that about this church. How did that come from you? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad when the Lord found you, he found you just in a mess, dirty, cracked, full of dirty water, full of junk, just used for law and ritual, then decided, you know what? I'm just going to take you just as you are, but I ain't going to leave you just. You remember the old song we used to sing during all the call? Just as I am without one plea. I love it. That's the way I came to him, just as I am. He said, I'll take you just like you are, but I ain't going to leave you just like you are. I'm about to put something on the inside of you that's going to change everything about you. And then somebody's going to meet you and say, how in the world did you come from there to here? How in the world did you help me? And you're going to only be able to say, look what the Lord Lord has done. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Please understand, y'all, the events of that day at that marriage feast were divinely orchestrated to give us a clear picture of God's intentions for the end of the party. By now, everyone has tasted the old stuff, their taste buds are dulled. Now it takes new and better wine at the end of the party. We're the water pot, y'all. That's it. He used the water pots. We need new and better wine. What's he going to do? He's going to use water pots. The greatest thing I've read in Scripture is he used those pots. That's one of the greatest things I've ever read. He, this gives greater meaning to Acts 2.17. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Earthen vessels, water pots, flesh. We are containers of wine, y'all. We are bearers of his glory, but we are not the glory. Listen, y'all, at the end of that wedding, no one left that wedding talking about the water pots. But everybody left talking about Jesus and that wine. Do you remember the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey and they began to wave 
palms and they put their clothes on the ground for the donkey to walk in and they were worshiping and honoring him. How many of you know that on that day that donkey didn't think all that was about him? We are simply bearers of the glory. We are bearers of the content. And I am supposed to be a vessel. The Lord told me one time, I just want you to be a garden hose. That's all, just a garden hose. I said, Lord, I had, oh, I said, hang on now. Uh, I had a little, I had a little higher intentions than that. And then he revealed to me, how many of you know a garden hose ain't worth a, it ain't worth nothing laid up in your yard in a ball with grass growing up around it. And it it's, laying, it's worthless. It's a piece of junk until you hook it up to a source. And you begin to get a flow through that thing. Then someone with skill can pick up the other end of it and direct the flow wherever it's supposed the Lord says, if you'll just be a garden hose. I said, all right, Lord, that's good enough for me. I'll just be a, glory, a, a garden hose. So I just hooked myself up to the glory spout. <laughs> and now let the spirit of the Lord flow through me so that he can direct me and direct the flow so that people can drink of what the Lord is doing and taste what the Lord is about and what he's up to. When Jesus, listen, y'all, nobody, nobody walked away that day talked, when he walked, rode in on that donkey, nobody walked away talking about the donkey. But everybody walked away talking about Jesus. Oh, that the church today would realize that she is the bearer of new wine. Oh, that our message would be, if anyone thirst, need somebody, play for me, buddy, give me something soft. Oh, that the church would say today, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. We got a mixed up, messed up, chaotic, <clears throat> divided world. And here's what I believe. I believe as goes the church, so goes the world. I believe that the church has to accept some responsibility for allowing this culture to get to the place that it is to be the culture that I described to you in Barna's survey. We've got some hope and we've got some help. Let me close with this little story. Stand up with me if you would, please. There was a... Many years ago, there was a man that was known worldwide for his ability and his gifting to quote the 23rd Psalm. And every time he would quote it, 
people would stand and applaud because of his ability that he had to communicate it with such fervency and clarity and beautiful oratory. One day he was at a university on his way out to the auditorium where there were thousands of students there. And they were waiting on him to take the stage and on the way to the stage, there's a janitor outside in the hallway working. The janitor stops him and said, Sir, I, I, I'm not going to be able to be in the meeting today, but I've always wanted to hear you quote the 23rd Psalm. Would you quote it for me? And the great orator said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll quote it for you if after I finish, you'll quote it for me. He said, Yes, sir, I'll be glad to. So the orator quotes the 23rd Psalm. And when he got through, the janitor grabbed his chest, looked up, tears began to roll down his cheeks, and he began to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he cried his way through it and said it with such incredible passion that the great orator took him by the hand and brought him into the meeting and set him up on the stage with him. And the great orator stood up when he was introduced and quoted the 23rd Psalm and everybody applauded. When he got through, he said, Now, I met a friend on the way in and I've asked him to come in and quote the 23rd Psalm for you. And again, janitor stood up and began to weep and began to passionately quote the 23rd Psalm. And when he got through, the place went crazy. People were crying. People were on their knees. And the president of the university turned to the orator and he said, I don't understand this. We pay you all the money to come in here and give this speech. And we had a janitor here that brought the house down. What happened? And the orator said, it's real simple. He said, here's the, here's the deal. He said, I know the song. He knows the shepherd. Y'all, there are people all over Tallahassee in this entire region of Florida that need the shepherd. And you know him. It's time that the church again with boldness, with confidence, with authority begin to share Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. If you're here this morning, I'm going to give two quick invitations and then we're going to close. So just stay with me for just a moment. If you're here this morning and you say, Bishop, I'm not, I'm not ready to go to, to heaven. If I died today, I'm not sure I'd make it to heaven. Not only that, I'm just not able to even live. I, I need Jesus in my life. And I want to ask the Lord today into my heart. I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today and you want to be included in this prayer across this room, would you just lift your hand and I'll be praying for you. I'll, I'll, I will pray for you. Anybody want to lift your hand to say, Bishop, include me in this prayer. I need Jesus in my life. I'm going to assume that everybody's ready to go. If you're not, if you know you should have raised your hand and it's okay. You can in your car come and go home today. 
you can meet Jesus because he is hunting you down right now. Second invitation I want to give is this. You're a believer. You're on your way to heaven. You're saved. Not a question of your salvation. But you would say, Bishop, this message has touched me. And I realize that I need to be letting some stuff flow out of me that ain't really flowing well. And I need the shepherd. I, I, I need the shepherd to live big through me. And you want me to include you in this, in this prayer. In fact, you know what I want to ask you to do? I, here's what I want to ask. I just believe the Lord's in this. I just sense that the Lord just, just dropped this in my spirit. I believe that there are many of you that this week, this week coming, you are going to get a chance. You're going to be given an opportunity to minister to somebody in a very non-confrontational, unassuming way to just simply pray for somebody. And allow that new wine to flow out of you into somebody's life. This week, the Lord's going to open doors. Listen, all over America, this is happening. Marketplace ministry is going crazy. People are getting saved and healed and delivered on the streets as much as in the church, probably more. All over America, it's happening. Let me tell you very quickly a story that I just heard the other day about a woman in California, of all places, California. <laughs> Standing in a grocery line at the grocery store with her groceries up on the uh, 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 the cash registers ringing her up the, the 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 ladies ringing her up her groceries the lady behind her puts the little divider piece in and she's putting her groceries on and the woman standing there just being checked out looks and notices the woman behind her is got tears coming down her cheeks she turns to her and says ma'am are you okay she said I'm sorry I didn't mean to create a scene she said I'm just I've got this back problem that I've had for two years I've been to the doctors over and over and over just left they can't do anything about it I live in this constant pain and I'm so discouraged today I'm so distraught today I'm so sorry you saw me crying the lady said it's okay she said do you mind if I pray for you and the lady said here and she said yeah we won't even create a scene now, that would have been hard for some of us Pentecostals because we'd have been, ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> she simply reached over and laid her hand on her arm. Now, I don't know the prayer because I wasn't there, but she, you can imagine, Lord, touch this lady, reveal yourself to her, heal her today. And she, she's praying for the woman in the grocery store at the checkout line with her hand on her forearm and the woman jerks her arm away and looks at her with your eyes wide open and starts doing this and bending over and up and down and she says, that pain is gone. Guess who was in church next Sunday? Listen, y'all, all the Lord needs you to do is simply be a witness. Just tell what you know. Witnesses only tell what they know. People are afraid to witness sometimes because they think, what if they ask me a question? I don't know. They ask me a Bible question. I don't know. I don't know. Can I help you? If somebody ever, you're trying to witness to somebody, tell them about Jesus and they ask you something you don't know the answer to, here's what you tell them. I don't know. I don't know. I ain't Oral Roberts and Billy Graham and Kenneth Copeland combined. I don't know. 
but can I tell you what I do know here's what I know I was a mess I was in trouble I needed something in my life I needed Jesus and he came into my life and he changed me and now where I had depression I got joy that's what I know that's what I know if you ever get called to court as a witness and they put you on the witness stand you can't testify to stuff you have no knowledge of you just simply tell them what you know so this week you're gonna get a chance somewhere on the job in your neighborhood walking the street in a store somewhere you're gonna run across somebody and the Lord's gonna open the door my wife and I were no I'll tell you more recently than that I was at a gas station just the other day pumping gas and the guy comes up to me and he says man can you help me with some gas I'm on the way to such and such a place uh, you know people ask me for gas I don't mind helping some people ask me for money I have a little hesitancy sometimes because I don't know what they're going to do with it but I said man I, listen I, I'll be glad to help you I said but let me just tell you first of all I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put gas in your tank I'm going to fill your tank up now this was before the gas prices went up so high no, I'd have done it anyway. I said, I'm going to fill your tank up. I'm not going to just give you $10. I'm going to fill it up for you. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to understand this. I am an angel sent from God to you today to tell you that Jesus loves you. That man messed up. He just melted. He messed, I messed him up so bad he didn't know what to say. Turns out the man was uh, raised in church, wasn't serving the Lord, sat there and began to cry it's just simple y'all just to be able to just simply allow the wine to flow out of a clay pot that's all i'm sorry to take so long so here we go if you're here today and you say bishop i want to be one of those this week i want the lord to use me just like that this week and if the lord opens the door and i sense that opportunity it may listen it may not be huge y'all it may not be a woman standing by you crying maybe it's just a door you realize there's a chance I could just simply offer to pray can I pray with you about something if you go out to eat this week and you sit down when you order your food tell your server you know what we're about to bless our food can, is there anything we could pray with you about today I can't tell you how many times I've done that and a waitress or a server just just start crying and tell me oh yeah I got this and this and this. I say we're gonna pray with you right now This week, if you want to be used of the Lord and you're going to take that opportunity, lift your hand up in the air right now. Now lift the other one up with it. Father, I thank you that all over this room today are people with their hands lifted and we're ready, Lord, for you to use us. We are desperate people, Lord. This world is desperate. And it's desperate for us, the church. So, Lord, we're going to respond thank you for filling the water pots thank you that day that you used those earthen vessels to put in that new wine thank you for it lord now here i submit myself to you everybody say this to the lord with your heart lifted to him say this lord jesus i'm submitted to you today Use me mightily. Flow through me this week. 
Make me a vessel this week. Make me a garden hose this week. And let me minister to somebody. Lord, if you'll put them in my path, I'll take that opportunity. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that on that day, at that wedding feast, you filled the water pots. Here I am, Lord. Fill me. Use me. And I'll give you the glory. And I'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a clap offering of praise if you meant it, y'all. I feel like I could charge hell with a water pistol right now. I could throw this microphone and take a lap. Presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Man, y'all get ready. The Lord's going to use you. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I got a Bishop Jakes thing going. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Because God's going to use you this week. They told me that I could... Uh, once I'm finished to go ahead and dismiss uh, I want you to pray for your pastor and first lady as they travel home and bless them and then when they get back hug their necks four or five times and tell them how much you missed them and prayed for them and how much you love them and appreciate them and this week let the Lord use you mightily in Jesus name I love you I will be back as soon as I can God bless you have a great day in the Lord everybody you made it to the end of the message and now what is God leading you to make a change are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.